This episode of Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point is sponsored by Blue Bridge Games. For the games and gifts you won't find anywhere else, head to Grand Rapids, Michigan's friendliest local game store, Blue Bridge Games. Blue Bridge Games carries an extensive line of board games, card games, role-playing tabletop games, Magic the Gathering, and more. Stop into their storefront on East Fulton or shop with them online at bluebridgegames.com. You say you want to watch a drama. You say you want to watch a comedy. Well, you can watch it with your mama. Or you can watch it with your daddy. You'll even sit and watch it with your middle schooler. So you can come and talk around our water cooler. We're watching all day and all night. Couch Potatoes Unite. Whoa, whoa. Couch Potatoes Unite. Whoa. Welcome to a brand new episode of the podcast entitled Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point, which is based on a blog of the same name because, like Sean Murphy, our name has been full of unexpected surprises. And we've been doing these jokes this long, why stop now? <laughs> My name is Kylie and I love TV. If you feel the same, keep listening and or checking out our website, couchpotatoesunite.wordpress.com, as you're bound to find some common ground or something you like for it, Couch Potatoes Unite. We're all about the wonders and the unique long-form storytelling of the small screen. CPU, exclamation point, hopes you've been following releases of brand new episodes of the podcast on Wednesdays, as well as new blog entries on some Tuesdays. And as always, we have several more new episodes on the way. Because the panels and I live lives behind our podcast, the episodes are published once per week. Subscribe to the website or podcast via iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Amazon Music, basically wherever you get your podcasts, to stay on top of brand new episodes. Episodes already published discuss a variety of shows around the water cooler, including but not limited to Stranger Things, iZombie, The Good Place, Game of Thrones, American Horror Story, Grace and Frankie, Mr. Robot, Charmed, Riverdale, Altered Carbon, The Orville, Outlander, Fuller House, Schitt's Creek, and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Plus, new episodes are in the works, including Revisits for Doctor Who, The Hundred, The Crown, Supernatural, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, This Is Us, the DCTU series will talk Season 4 of Black Lightning, and the Star Trek 50 Plus series will discuss Season 1 of Deep Space Nine. We'll be launching new panels covering Big Little Lies, Call the Midwife, The Animaniacs, Killing Eve, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, American Gods, Grey's Anatomy, and Cobra Kai. And because we look back at shows now past, we'll travel through time and experience all sorts of identities with Quantum Leap, we'll thank the Golden Girls for being friends, we'll cry bazinga for Big Bang Theory, we'll dive deep into the fantasy world of the magicians, we'll navigate the witty political satire of Parks and Recreation, and we'll become psychos for psych. By the way, did you know that CPU also from time to time goes live? We've been live from bunkers, comedy shows, comic cons, and game stores, plus we're planning more live appearances and other cool stuff, including in these semi-quarantine times. So make sure you like or follow us at our Facebook page, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at Couch Potatoes Unite, or subscribe to our website, our YouTube channel, our Apple iTunes channel, our Stitcher Radio channel, or find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. In the meantime, if you don't hear a show in this podcast format, fellow panels and I still write reviews, and we always seek new panelists, so if you have any interest in joining the discussion, say hello by finding us at any of the outlets I've mentioned. At the very least, stop by and leave us a thumbs up, comment, or review. We like feedback, as long as you've not prejudged us too harshly and have given us an appropriate number of chances, but then you can have at it. In a nice way, because that's fair. Today, we're around the water cooler and taking a first look at the first season of a multi-season medical drama based on a 2013 South Korean series 
of the same name. The show is The Good Doctor, and this is the first of a four-part series in which CPU catches up on this program, which airs its primary run on the ABC network. In this episode, part one of the series, we're discussing season one, which aired on ABC from September 25th, 2017 to March 26th, 2018, with a total of 18 episodes. We will discuss each subsequent available season in each new episode of our catch-up series. By way of plot summary, The Good Doctor follows Sean Murphy, played by Freddie Highmore, a young autistic surgeon with savant syndrome from the mid-sized city of Casper, Wyoming, where he had a troubled past. He relocates to San Jose, California to work at the prestigious San Jose St. Bonaventure Hospital. Actor Daniel Day Kim noticed the original series and bought the rights for his production company. He began adapting the series and in 2015 eventually shopped it to CBS, his home network. CBS decided against creating a pilot. Because Kim felt so strongly about the series, he bought back the rights from CBS, and eventually Sony Pictures Television and Kim worked out a deal and brought on David Shore, creator of the Fox medical drama House, to develop the series. The show is produced by Sony Pictures Television and ABC Studios, in association with production companies Shore Z Productions, 3AD, and Intermedia. David Shore serves as showrunner, and Daniel Day Kim is an executive producer for the show. The series stars Freddie Highmore as Sean Murphy, Antonia Thomas, Hill Harper, Christina Chang, Richard Schiff, Will Young Lee, Fiona Gubelman, and Paige Spara, who is the current cast of the show, which recently finished airing its fourth season, though we'll be covering the whole cast through our catch-up series. The Good Doctor has received generally mixed reviews from critics, who have praised Highmore's performance and the series' strong television ratings, but criticized the storylines. The portrayal of autism has also divided critical opinion, and we'll be seeing how our panel feels about that very shortly. The Good Doctor was popularly requested for discussion and beloved by some of our resident couch potatoes, all of whom appear on this panel. In fact, around the water cooler today are four of our frequent panelists and your very involved moderator, all of whom are ready to get in the operating room and tackle this tricky medical drama and its many layers of presentation and reaction. As always, it should be noted that all of our panelists have watched all episodes of this series at least through season one, and may discuss sensitive plot points. So for those of you who have not watched The Good Doctor, especially through season one, and plan to do so at some point, listen at your own risk, as there may be major spoilers at this time. I'd like to introduce the panel. They know how this works, and if you've listened to us, you also know how this works, but I'm going to remind them and you, listener, because we got to do our business. What I'm going to ask the panel to do is introduce themselves by their first name, just their first name, not their whole life story, just their first name. <laughs> Tell us how you came to watch The Good Doctor, what made you start watching, how did you find out about it, what kept you watching, and then you get to raise your interest along the standard CPU character question, which changes with each show we do. They know this, and I'm going to read that character question, but... Panel, are you ready to do this? I was born ready. <laughs> That's good enthusiasm. How about the rest of you? <laughs> I wasn't born ready, but somewhere between third and fourth grade, I got ready. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I'm ready with a glass of wine. Let's go. All right. Okay. <laughs> so how would you rate your interest in the first season of The Good Doctor? This is for the first season because we are catching up. We'll be going season by season and you'll get a new character question each season. So we're going to start with the first season version and it goes like this. Do you love this show? It's gripping, intellectually stimulating, teaches you a lot about human nature and encourages you to grow even when you already feel as if you know yourself and the world as much as you're going to know them like Dr. Sean Murphy. 
Do you care about this show deeply, but also feel that your soft spot for it may otherwise blind you to its glaring flaws, some of which cannot be ignored or defended, no matter how hard you try? You find yourself giving it more and more chances to prove itself, even when those chances are not necessarily deserved or go against boundaries created by your personal set of TV-watching standards, like Dr. Aaron Glassman. Have you been reluctantly won over by this show? At first, you found the premise extremely problematic in light of the fact that the writers chose to depict a surgeon with autism, but also with savant syndrome in order for the very idea of a surgeon with this disability to be convincing, or because it feels as if it's too much of a stretch from nonfiction or real life, but Freddie Highmore, aka Dr. Sean Murphy, is so impressive, you can't help but find your initial judgment shifting as you continue watching, like Dr. Neil Melendez. Do you find yourself particularly taken in by the Sean Murphy character, but also find that you need an extraordinary amount of patience and understanding to see the benefit and or strengths of this show, no matter how much you try to see the positive side of any problem or equation, like Dr. Claire Brown? Do you enjoy this show well enough when it actually stops to focus on someone besides Sean Murphy? You like the ensemble and the complex characters surrounding him strike you as more interesting than Sean itself. Plus, the occasional sexy romance doesn't hurt either, like Dr. Jared Kalu. After viewing season one, do you find that engagement with the show is precariously risky because the premise is shaky and you can see all the potential avenues for liability advanced by the fictional situations depicted in the show? For you, it's not about equal opportunity for those with disabilities as much as it is about the health and safety of your own viewing experience, and so you doubt that you will continue watching beyond the first season like Jessica Preston. Have you given the show a chance, but it hasn't done enough to earn your confidence long term, no matter how winning the idea is and premise behind the story are. Also, you're naturally more pragmatic in your television viewing and are not prepared to fully invest in a program that does not seem to see what you perceive to be a lack of potentially engaging story over the course of several seasons, like Allegra Aoki? Or do you think this show is a disaster waiting to happen and dislike it strongly, or simply don't care enough about it to have an opinion? You have no confidence in it and are far too preoccupied in your ambition to become hospital president to be bothered to watch it with any sort of focus, though you will also waste no time in exploiting its flaws to make your point if it comes to it, like Dr. Marcus Andrews. Who would like to start? I can start us off. I have a single character answer for for once. I'm usually like mainly this with a scoop of that, but <laughs> well, before you get to your evil. scoop, before you get to your scoop, you might want to tell us who you are and how you came to find <laughs> the good doctor. If you think the suspense has been has been built up enough, then yes, I will reveal. This is Micah. Hello to all of my fans out there. Good to see you again, or hear you again, or you hear me again. That's the um, longest name ever. So hi, Micah. <laughs> You can call me that for short. All my friends do. Okay. I started watching this show pretty immediately. I had come off of Bates Motel with that was Freddie Highmore's last big project, and I was I was happy that he was going right into something new because I was afraid he would get hit with the same Norman Bates curse as Anthony Perkins. Mm -hmm. Is that his name? That's his From name. Psycho. Yeah. So I was happy just to see that he was getting into something because he really won me over with Bates Motel. And I've just kind of been watching since that, staying caught up, and I enjoy it a lot. And as such, I am squarely in the Aaron Glassman zone. Okay. Micah, what other panels for CPU have you been on? I'm glad you asked, Kylie. 
I have I got my start midway through the run of the Once Upon a Time podcast where I met the lovely oh I won't reveal his name he'll get we'll get to him later more suspense and I am also <laughs> on the Riverdale podcast with another one of our panelists today all true welcome back Micah thank you thank you hi it's Jessica hi Jessica I came to watch the show because I love Freddie I have always loved Freddie since August Rush and I always will love Eddie I have not watched Bates Hotel because I don't do well with some scary shows and I don't know if that show's scary but it says Bates Motel so I, I'm not ready for that <laughs> but other than that I and I liked the premise of the show like I liked the idea of a doctor with savant syndrome and all that, and I wanted to see where they took it. And much like my dear friend Micah, I am in the Aaron Glassman zone as well with this show. And I think I answered everything. Mine was short and sweet and to the point. It's true. <laughs> Jessica, what other panels do you appear on? I appear on the Riverdale podcast panel with Micah. I'm also on the Reboot Charm panel. I'm on the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina panel, and I'm on this panel, and I was an honorary member of the Once Upon a Time panel. <laughs> because she transported Micah. Welcome back, Jessica. Transportation <laughs> specialist. That's that right. resume looking good. <laughs> it's good to be home. Aww. Hi, it's Eddie. Hi, Eddie. <laughs> So I started watching the show because I swear because I work in the medical field whenever a new medical show comes out everybody's like oh you have to watch this you have to watch this and I did not want to watch it because I'm still I watch another major medical show Grey's Anatomy I've been on that show since the beginning of time since season one and I'm still even with watching Grey's Anatomy and loving that I'm still an ER fan through and through and no medical show has topped ER and I'm like I just can't do it well then I kind of read the premise of the show and I was like all right fine whatever so I watched the show and it, it has its problems like every other show does however I fell in love with the main premise character Sean so I kept watching and I mean, it, it's kept me watching and it's been good enough to keep me watching, but I will be honest and say it's not my first show I watch. It's definitely a Hulu show that I watch probably like four weeks after it's been out. I also like to binge watch the show because I feel like you have to watch a couple episodes to like get into it. But also like my fellow panelists, I'm also a glassman. Who would have thought? We're all consistent so far. Mm. Okay. Eddie, what other CPU panels have you appeared on? <clears throat> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of the originals on Once Upon a Time. I was on How to Get Away with Murder, and we jumped shark. And then I <gasps> came back and then finished that. And then I was on... Oh my gosh, True Blood, Desperate Housewives, and then, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm forgetting something. I'm on This Is Us, and I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I've also wrote in a, written a couple reviews on shows, on a show that I did, can't even remember the name, but I know it was a Latino show, and it was based on a telenovela, that's all I know. Like, I can't remember what it was about. And there's a lot more panels coming up that I will also be on, and I'm very excited about. You did miss a few, but you were pretty thorough anyway. So welcome back, Eddie. <laughs> Yay. And that means me. I am Jared. Hi, Jared. 
Hey, Kylie, good to see everybody and to be here on the panel. I'm excited about this panel and hearing from all you wonderful people. You know, I just have to say that one of the things you'll see if you listen to some of these podcasts is that there's a lot of consistency to the way that I, I make my decisions. But generally speaking, I'm a very positive, optimistic person that likes to look on the bright side as much as possible. And you will tell, I will tell you that I am... Dr. Sean Murphy, because as I look at the whole, as I look at the, everything there, it, it's all true. I love the show. It does grip me. It is intellectually stimulating. It does teach me about human nature, encourages me to grow. So everything in, in line with uh, Sean Murphy is what I am. So I'm not against, I wouldn't be opposed to the fact that there are probably some, some glaring things that I don't see, like it says in the second Aaron Glassman's. Yeah, I'm ready to ready to ready to learn and hear from other people. Yeah, Freddie Highmore. I hadn't watched any other shows. I did know he was on Bates Hotel. Watched a little bit of that, but didn't watch very much. I just, to be honest with you, I first of all, I love the doc, the all the, the hospital shows. A lot of them, I really enjoyed them, so I I like that. And I really loved. I just really loved the premise of trying to do what they were doing with Sean with Sean Murphy. I just I was interested and I was excited to see what they were going to do with him. For me, I was like kind of in awe just to see what was all going to happen and with it being a different kind of a take on things, I wanted to see how it was going to go and I started watching it and every episode just pulled me in and I love it. All right, Jared, what other panels have you appeared on? I have appeared on Fuller House and I am currently on This Is Us, which I really love. And then looking forward to some other ones in the future. Yes. Welcome back, Jared. Thank you. You're welcome. And of course, my name is Kylie, as I've already mentioned. I will be both participating on and moderating this panel, as I often do. Although it's going to come with a lot of qualifiers. So here we go. How did I come to watch The Good Doctor? Quite honestly, it was because of this podcast. It was because there were people who requested to do the panel. Because if you know me or you follow the blog or you follow the podcast or you talk to me about my unfortunate and forever addiction to TV, hashtag Generation X, you will know that I look to see what's coming out and preview TV shows. We do this twice a year. Now it used to be three times, but now there's just so much. I can only do it twice a year. I look to see what's coming out in the coming six months, essentially. And I knew that The Good Doctor was going to be a new show on ABC in the 2017-2018 season. And when I initially screened the trailer, I passed. I passed on behalf of CPU. I didn't think that anybody would actually be interested in it. And the reason why is, number one, I medical shows are not my number one thing. I did watch Grey's Anatomy for about ten seasons. When Christina left, I bailed. I was like, that was my favorite character and I'm done. Boom. Not doing it anymore. I did watch Private Practice because that was a spinoff and it didn't even last as long as the time I watched Grey's Anatomy. I watched ER in and out. But never all all the seasons or even all of a season consistently. It just was, if it was on, I kept it on in the background. Medical dramas do not typically interest me first. I do like Freddie Highmore, but when I watched the trailer, I thought it was, the trailer that they cut was very potentially manipulative. And I thought, ooh, I don't know if this is going to make it more than one season. I would be really surprised if it did. So guess what? I was really surprised that it did. <laughs> and then long and short, you know, when we when people become a part of the podcast or they become 
interested in the podcast, we now, if you haven't picked it up, you know, people request. They say, I want to talk about this show, or I want to hear about this show, or please cover this show because I think we like your discussions, or we like to participate in those discussions. And all four of the people outside of me on this panel right now said, we'd love to talk about The Good Doctor. So I said, okay, I guess I'll watch The Good Doctor and see how I feel. When I pick my interest, though, I, I actually, I think, would be Neil Melendez. I wrote that one with me in mind. I do think that there's some problematicness about the premise but in the end, the reason to watch this show, in my personal opinion, is Freddie Highmore. He is a fabulous actor. If I mean, he goes back before August Rush. He was the little kid in Finding Neverland with Johnny Depp before he turned problematic. So, Don't even get me started on Finding Neverland. Right? I love that movie. I love it. I love that movie. And he was such... Freddie as young kid performer in... Oh my gosh, he was brilliant. I knew that kid was going places... And this is where we are. So ultimately, it's Freddy that draws me into The Good Doctor. And I'm still, I've only watched the first season. So like our other catch-up series, don't spoil any others. And I'm still in it. I've watched the first season pretty pretty quickly. So I'm, I'm kind of getting into it now. But I'm probably going to be the nay, a little bit of the naysayer on the group. So, so much for your consistency theory, Eddie. But... Before I spoil, spill all the beans and review the show in a way that is not conducive to our panel discussion format, it's now time to do the star business, as panelist Hillary likes to call it, or the star rating scale. This is the first time, a first look, we're covering The Good Doctor, so we now get to rate our interest in the show along, this is a standard scale that doesn't change, and it goes like this. Would you, and you can, by the way, rate The Good Doctor along this scale at any point you feel comfortable. So if you want to rate it from having watched almost four seasons, because we were recording this before it's officially finaled out, if you want to talk about it after just having watched the pilot, watch the first season, whatever context makes sense to you, do it. But would you say, it's five stars, holy smokes, this is the greatest medical drama you've ever watched. It is the best thing to come to ABC since Once Upon a Time. You just don't know what to say, five stars. Is it four stars? It certainly seems intriguing and you're, you're going to continue watching, but you do see obvious pitfalls in the premise. Is it three stars? You're going to give it one more try. There are things you like, things you don't. You, you're going to see which things are allowed to flourish, though you're, real, you're really kind of hanging on a little bit for dear life. Is it two stars? You've only watched part of it, maybe just the first season. Chances are you're mainly bored, but there is an intrigue or fascination that holds it together, no matter how unlikely but you just don't see how far it can go. Or is it one star? Pass on this one, guys. It's a snoozer. Not funny. Not interesting. Not your cup of tea. This is really like the worst medical drama that ever was. You cannot feasibly advise anybody to watch The Good Doctor. Pass on this one, guys. There's too many options to waste time on it. One star. Who would like to start the star business? Hey, it's Eddie again. So Eddie again. I'm going to give it four stars. Okay. Why? I mean, I really like how they're, the show really taps on stuff that we should be tapping on, like autism, behavioral issues. In some of the episodes, we deal with that. And just, I think the show, and I'm sure we'll dive into it more, I think it, it does really well with the emotional connection of the characters. And I think the reason why is because we have an autistic character and that 
and autistic people are very well in tuned with their emotions and just the emotion connection with how these characters are and how those dynamics are is what kept me watching. The storyline itself, I believe, actually sucks. And I hate to say this, but every single person, every single storyline from like, there was a woman who had a tumor on her private areas and she like wasn't able to have sex again. Like that happened in Grey's Anatomy in season four and she wound up having to have surgery. And then, yeah, like all the medical drama stuff I've seen before, but like the emotional connection and how to deal with a coworker that's autistic, I haven't. That's why I'm giving it four stars. Ideally, I'd want to do four and a half to reflect. You can do half the, stars. Just okay, don't get do cute with your half. fractions because I averaged this. <laughs> I'm going to do a 4.8762. Why don't I just tell you? <laughs> no, I, I think that objectively Eddie's assessment is correct. I would be willing to discuss the show with people who rated it a three. Anybody who rates it as a two or a one, they just aren't perceiving what I perceive and I don't think there'd be discourse there. So, But objectively, I think a four is where the show sits for me it's a five but that's a lot of the pretty much anything that i keep watching it's because it finds its way into that niche it doesn't mean that i'm undyingly devoted to the show but once i'm invested in something i'm invested till till the end or until actually no like you gotta jump 18 sharks and the last one has to be a megalodon for me to really leave a show behind in the dust even even the ones that turn bad i generally will finish for the, for the memory of the good times. I don't think I am caught up except for maybe a couple of episodes, which I didn't watch while I was catching up on the first season again. I don't think this show gets to, or has gotten to a point where loyalty is all that's keeping me here. I'm still very invested. As you said, you're not caught up. I don't want to talk about too many things. There, there is a fluctuation in, I guess, the roster number. And I think for a while, maybe the show wasn't doing super great or they were just having a lot of staffing problems, but they recently had a big influx of new characters. And I was like, this is good. This is new blood. It's changing the dynamic that all the characters had before to be different. So that's, yeah, for me, still currently at this point in season four, I'm gonna give it a four and a half. I'm gonna go next and say that I think Micah is my people in this sense, because I, I'm right where he is. Like, I, you know, I, I think that almost five stars is good for me. I, I'm still very invested i i don't see any major problems with it myself i quite love it i think there's a little bit of an advantage having watched all of the seasons and kind of knowing how it all plays out if i would have said this after watching just the first season i still would have said close to five but it definitely for me it definitely gets better in future seasons but for right now i definitely say it's still still between four and a half and five stars so would you um, like to say four and three quarters just so i can yes. make that a fraction okay thanks <laughs> For sure. My turn. Mm -hmm. Hi, guys. I'm going to sit heavy in a four. I like the whole idea of, like I mentioned before, having a doctor who's on the spectrum. I like the whole concept of the show. I have watched bits and pieces past season one, so that's where I'm kind of just like, I can't give it higher than a four right now because I'm not sure what happens after season one. But I definitely will keep watching it, and I work, I work and have worked with multiple people on the spectrum for whatever like high functioning and low functioning and in between and I really like that they're being represented now so that was big for me was to see kids that I worked with could someday be like hey that's like me so I'm a, I'm a solid four I am like I already forecasted I'm a little bit more of the naysayer so and I've only watched the first season nothing more 
I'm gonna say three and a half stars. So this is between it's intriguing and there are things I like and things I don't. I would say there are more things I like than there are things that I don't like. The things that I like are Freddie Highmore, Sean Murphy's relationship with Aaron Glassman, Sean Murphy's relationship with Claire, and Neil... Dr. Melendez, I think is his name, because he is dreamy. He's the thirst trap for me since we were talking about that offline. And also, I like the fact that his character makes a very progressive evolution through the first season. Vis-a-vis -vis not only Sean, but really all of the characters. I mean, I think there's a lot of interesting dynamics he has with a lot of the pieces of the ensemble. I'm a little less impressed with the Dr. Kalu character. I've seen that actor on other shows. I'm not sure where he's going, and maybe he gets better in, in later seasons. I'm not impressed with the Marcus Andrews character. I find him... I know we have to have a villain <laughs> in, the, in the mix. I am struggling with the fact that the villain in this piece is... The member of a different underrepresented group it feels a little weird to me i also am starting to eddie was harsher he's not in frame right now eddie was harsher when he said the stories suck <laughs> he actually used those words i i don't i wouldn't say that the stories suck but i do agree that many of them are repetitive from other medical shows but at least i will give it that it has a nicer spin on it because of the different premise so I'm going back and forth on this show I I'm into it when I'm watching it but when I've left it and I it's been a couple months since I finished the first season I thought well you know I I don't know I mean I'll, I'll still continue to watch it but I'm not going to be as enthusiastic so we're going to have we have a, a variety of opinions here and we've already kind of talked about whether or not we like the show right away or not so now let's really talk about season one and what we liked and what we didn't like now, the, the, I will preface this by saying that unlike Grey's Anatomy, I think the good doctor leans more heavily into an overarching arc than Grey's does, but it still has the episodic medical situations that are very indicative of a medical show. So what I kind of want you to think about as we're talking about it is what, you know, which of the medical episodes and situations were, were better, which were worse, but also in the season one story arc, what did you like and what didn't you like? Just to tackle the whole thing about repetitive medical story plot lines, I definitely think that's a valid point, but as I was kind of alluding to before we started sort of the podcast proper, these shows have been on all over the place, all different networks for so long. I was wondering, like, how... I, I wish someone could build, like, an algorithm that would sift through the plots and figure out this kind of cancer has been done this many times. This many times the woman lost all the feeling in her genitals and couldn't have sex anymore. Although I feel like that one's probably, probably maybe only a one or two. But, I mean, just looking at... I mean, ER, I don't... How long was that on? That was... I was 16 like or 17 years, I think. It was yeah. on for 18 years. Yeah, I was close. 18 years on ER. You got... Grey's Anatomy is coming up on, what, 20? It just right. finished... 17 so it's just finished 17 or 16 you got house 17, yeah. you got 17 years on Grey's Anatomy mm -hmm. yeah house lasted for a while house lasted been, 10 years I think <laughs> yeah there have just 
between all of those shows and ones that probably only went like a couple seasons here and there, there's been, I would think, well over a thousand things. And like, medical health is always very, very high stakes for the people in real life that are experiencing it. But in terms of keeping things narratively fresh, how many different scenarios can you come up with that are going to be able to drive an episode at the stakes exactly. that you need it to out of a thousand plus scenarios stuff's gonna get reused it's just it's and it's i mean if you wait long enough between the two people won't even remember not eddie mine like a steel trap he said season four he, he said the exact season of Grey's where the lady had the the vaginal problems that was impressive i was very impressed by that but for the most part i think they can kind of be like all right, we can take something from season two of ER at this point. I think we can throw... And, you know, we've all seen it in all different medical shows. You know it's formulaic. Whenever things are getting a little slow, car wreck, train crash, something goes over, the ER gets flooded, everybody's like, oh, man. And then they kind of restoke the flames from that. But, but yeah, I'm not nearly as well-versed in these episodic medical dramas as some of the other members of the panel so i like these I, these plot lines are still pretty fresh for me i feel like honestly i feel like honestly what ends up happening is people get invested in the characters mm -hmm. and, and the lessons and the lessons and the kind of the things you learn within the, the episodes so i mean the stories and plots themselves i mean they can be they might be repetitive but i just think that there's always there's always little things there's always the bits and pieces and situational things that, that I always appreciate. Like, I'll be watching a show and all of a sudden somebody will say something or do something and I'll be like, you know, that made the whole episode for me. So it, I don't care because, like, like, like I said, I've seen it. I've seen almost everything I think I could see. Maybe there is more, but at the end of the day, I love the characters. I love, I love the premise and I love the fact that they can find interesting ways of telling the same story or different ways of looking at it the same story so yeah i agree with jared like i mean as i've been called out i could tell you when something happened in another show but i guess it goes back to that famous saying that if it's not broke don't fix it so clearly i mean we just listed all these medical dramas that have been on for years and we've been recycling some of the same medical like issues that they've been dealing with clearly people have been watching them so, like, we don't fall in love with, we keep saying it, and it really did happen in this this season, is a woman not, her genitals possibly not ever working again and having feeling. We've said it a couple times, but, like, it has happened a couple times, and, like, but it's how the characters interacted with that. So, yeah. Actually, in Grey's Anatomy, she wound up dying, just so we all know. She wound up having a heart attack, and Christina had to, like, try saving her. So, anyway. R.I.P. Like, Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> vaginal problem lady. I, you know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Grey's Anatomy is my medical show. But anyway, like, but like, I agree with Jared that like, I'm not watching the show for the medical reason, and like, being a medical person myself and seeing stuff like in the medical field, like, I watch the show because of the characters, and I want to know how they are gonna, how they are gonna act it out. So or how they're going to react to it. And I've watched the show for the long term because of how Sean has, like, dealt with most of this stuff and how he has to, like, rethink on how to deal with this because his emotions are so high on multiple levels with all the other characters, which I think we fall in love with the other characters because of how Dr. Sean 
interacts with them. Like, I actually, the first few episodes, I didn't like anybody but Dr. Sean. I was like, this is a very, like, very, like, mellow show. Mostly you get very dynamic characters right off the out of the gate, but I've only fallen in love with the other characters because of Dr. Sean. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. I would be, I would be, from, it took me a long time to love love any other characters other than Sean and Dr. Glassman. I did love Dr. Glassman from the beginning because like I even put some notes down. I said, I love the way he defends Sean. I love the way that he has, he always have, he has this wisdom about him. That, that when he speaks, he speaks so powerfully, and I just, I love the way he was, yeah, so Aaron Glassman and Sean from the beginning I loved. The others took me some time. In fact, one of the things about this particular series is I found the character development very interesting. There's a number of these characters, as you watch, this character development is very good. I, I, I personally like it, because you go from either, like, from not liking somebody to loving somebody or just I just love the way it kind of messes with my brain a little bit you think that you don't like this person and later on you find out well I do like them or vice versa really quick little that's a it's a slight disagree with what Eddie said about the plot lines being mellow one of the points like rewatching this season things that stuck out at me that I wanted to bring up specifically for this especially for you guys who have only just watched the first season it's this the first season is a li it goes a little too hard in the paint sometimes starting off especially with like character stances about Sean I, I will say the show hits its stride like as it moves forward but like looking at this first season like yep. some of the stuff was so like the the him him getting like shoulder tackled by the security people in the airport when he's saving the kid in the first thing like he could have very easily and I don't think there's any reason why even a person on the spectrum would not have just said like I'm a doctor yeah help me out and they would have helped him out that was very that was very obvious drama baiting and other things like it's just like characters would be like he has autism what? like that a lot of that will get mellowed out once i think they found like okay now we're developing all the characters we can just have their stories be their stories we don't need like as you said kylie dr oh, i can't remember marcus he has like to take on the role of the antagonistic force even that, well, they kind of are able to let go of once there's no longer a need for, like, a bad guy. It's just like, now we're just dealing with life and the goods and the bads of that. And the fact that he wasn't going to be accepted right out, of the, right out of the gate, I wasn't surprised. Imagine if the show had just ended. If they'd just been like, no, we're not letting this guy be a doctor, and that's the <laughs> pilot. That's the... <laughs> Well, obviously they weren't going to do that. You're right. But I hate to cycle back, but on the whole thing of like the different medical shows that have come out, I was a big ER girl with my mom and then into Grey's for a little bit and then Christina left and I was like, okay, bye. But what I like about it is things that they tackled in ER get updated in the new shows because ER happened in the 90s. Like, so they can tackle some of the same issues, but it's going to have different outcomes now in Grey's or The Good Doctor or Micah brought up new, I think it's New Amsterdam earlier. Like those medical shows can all take those storylines from the 90s and then update it to whatever it may be now. But I'm also big on the whole, it's the characters, because like I love Sean, I love Dr. Glassman, and I love Claire. I don't know why, but I love Claire. And so for me, like Worth when all life. of them were saying it, I was like, yep, yep, I agree with all of them, well, but I also heart. love ER. <laughs> You're a very heart-driven person. I think you latch Don't onto... give away my secrets, Micah. <laughs> you latch onto the empath of the ensemble. I do, I do. very much Claire. But I feel like you're forced 
to like Claire. Like your force, like the show forces you to like Claire. <laughs> if you go, I I don't like Claire. Like you don't have a heart. Like <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there. And if you tried to maintain that status, they were like, things are getting a little too cushy cushy for Claire. Let's bring in anti Claire, and then they Wait. drop. <laughs> oh, I'm shorting on everyone's names. Why can I not remember her name right now? The blonde she's, girl. Yes, she's <laughs> she's Jessica. big. Oh, well, that's her real name, Jessica. No, not Jessica, the safety assessment person. This lawyer. is what you happens when you don't pick people in the question with the character. I know, well, highlight. because she's not part of the regular cast in season one, that's the secret to the character question. <laughs> Dr. Resnick, that is her last name. All don't right. remember her first name. Yeah, we'll me get there. But yeah, no, she's very much the, I'm a career woman. Logic points, this and that. Everything's calculated. And then Claire has to come to grips with like, am I? Am I just a big soft ball? Yes, I think so. That's Is that going to work? Maybe not. <laughs> Ultimately, I so we're spending a lot of time on the recycled medical plot piece, and the only thing I will say is that I don't watch enough of them to know that. But at the same time, so one of the things, and, and I'm going to kind of fold in the critics' question too, because this is, this is an odd show in the sense that many of the shows we cover are either going to be very cult-high status like, probably no critic is going to like them, but they're beloved by fans, and we have fans. So, like, comic book shows and, and sci-fi fantasy, the ones that don't get the typical love, we tend to cover a lot of those. But then if they are more into the mainstream, less cult-like, then they're high-rated, huge shows, like This Is Us, for example. I think The Good Doctor is one of the first ones we've done where it has fan support, but not necessarily critical support, and it doesn't fall into that cult status place. So the, the critics are fairly mixed on this. There's a lot, it's like a 60%, 50 to 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like a 59 on Metacritic. So it's very much in the middle of the road. And a lot of the common things, which I said in the intro, really come down to, yes, Freddie Highmore, great. The rest of it, we're struggling with it. And I find myself kind of agreeing with that not because I, I think things are recycled to me that's not necessarily the bit and maybe if it gets better in later seasons I won't have the same thought but as watching season one Micah you you definitely hit on the yes they were driving all cylinders on he's autistic and doesn't know how to doctor bit and then we also had a lot of the, just sort of the, the, the shenanigans and hijinks. They were kind of, it felt like they were copying Grey's Anatomy. They were sleeping in the on-call room, sexual scapades. There was, you know, all the different sort of things. But then you add in, it's great that, that he's on the spectrum, but is it a really fair portrayal of somebody on the spectrum? Which is kind of the question that is being grappled with. Because you either get a Rain Man scenario, typically, with the, this kind of character, an autistic character, where he's not a savant necessarily. He's just very, very smart and very, he's autistic, so he has whatever comes with that. Or he is a savant person who is just greatly smart, greatly intellectually, probably superior to most people, but has this other piece that sort of compromises it. And it's overcoming that adversity, quote unquote, to make sure that he fits in with the rest of the piece. So I kind of, you've all mentioned that the representation is great, and I agree with you. I'm still struggling with, and maybe it gets better and you can speak to that without spoiling it, but I'm still struggling with the idea that it 
it's almost the linchpin around everything that happens and how how long can that really be interesting i know exactly what you're talking I, about and it's yeah. the reason that i don't watch monk i watched the first <laughs> season of monk and every single episode they would their investigation would come up moot He'd go home, see a pillow tilted at the wrong angle, and be like, I've solved the crime! And I was like, this is maybe good representation for OCD people, but this isn't interesting to watch. Whereas I'm much more on the side of Psych, even just because it shows you, you see the clues as he sees the clues. The, the, the mystery is built, the answer was something that was accessible to you, even, possibly. And that, just, just as a disclaimer before we jump into this, which is the big elephant in the room for this show, I... To my knowledge, I'm not on the autism spectrum. I do not have any kind of wealth of knowledge to be able to speak on such things. I understand that it is problematic to have someone who is not on the spectrum portray people who are. But, as I said in my Aaron Glassman character thing, that I love the show too much. There's going to be some glaring problems. that I'm, I'm too close to it to be able to subjectively tackle those things and freddie highmore's performance is simply just it's 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 the reason i think why i think if there was not as good of an actor the show just wouldn't have gotten off the ground because it would have been too problematic to get going but that being said i think that the way that they the way they differentiate between him just being a competent doctor and the savant syndrome kind of kicking in is with those visual representations when he's kind of seeing the spatial awareness of where everything would be in this person's body of like these veins are going here so the blockage must be there those i think are the moments where it's the savant syndrome but then there are all these other times where he's just doing the work that a doctor does because he's capable of doing it he doesn't it's not all savant all the time it's just that that's kind of peppered in there for some of the bigger problems that's a really excellent point i forgot about the visual representations i actually really like that it reminds me of something maybe a beautiful mind a little bit i think there was a little bit of that going on but with math in that movie and this time it's anatomy and that's interesting to me that they decided to do it that way i think it also sets up some really nice camera shots for those of you who like cinematography and the directing of the piece it kind of gives it it does give it a little bit more gravitas and makes it feel a little bit more, even though it's kind of a fantasy depiction, it almost gives it a little bit more realness when they do those little cutouts, those visual ways where he's he's sort of watching it unfold in animated style before him. That's, that's amazing. I love the way they do that. I see a couple of things here. I see that we've kind of got these two camps where there, there's these people over here that they, they want to kind of be able to critique, you know, how real is this? How how close is this to the real thing? And then you've got another camp that's like, you know, this is entertainment for me. So I like to try to follow, I try to fall in right in the middle there. Like I, I think it's super important to try to to represent the, the real life struggles of somebody with, with these kind of struggles. But at the same time I also I also have I just really enjoy watching people act. I enjoy how well Freddie plays the part and in knowing people with autism and savant kind of stuff, I, I, I just feel like he does such a great job and somebody else might disagree and that's okay, but I just feel like it's, I don't know, it's interesting to, to look at it from both perspectives, but I try not to get too caught up on one way or the other, but the visual representations are amazing because like me, even even for me, it, it just it gives a whole lot, a better perspective of what's actually going on inside of his head. And I think when you watch it really helps people to kind of get a better idea of what's happening and you know why is he pausing why isn't he speaking and, and 
but it all kind of makes sense when you put the pieces there. And I just want to be clear that for me as a viewer, it's not whether or not I believe somebody with autism with or without savant syndrome could be a doctor or a surgeon. I want to believe that really anybody's anybody who can work and adapt with limitations should be able to be able to do it if that's what they want to do. For me, it's more how the show hit on it and meditated on it and really meditated on it over in season one and not finding as many of the heartfelt moments but maybe they come out later there's a lot more of the it really was and Micah sort of explained it earlier with the Marcus character he's one of the main focal points but he's not the only one he just happens to be the most vocal one because they needed some sort of force to be that person but it's it really is for a long time in every episode like should he be doing this can he really be doing this like i don't know if he can do this and that's great dialogue once twice three times but this is as as 18 episodes proceed by they really don't start shifting away from that until the last couple of episodes in this season i agree that they very much so drive like he has autism he's savant like hitting on that but what i liked was that they didn't overplay Dr. Sean and make him like non-believably that character if that makes sense because there are shows that do that that do have people that don't have whatever it is that this character is supposed to have and they camp it too much they overplay it whereas I feel like with Dr. Sean like it's there you know it's the the lack of eye contact the not wanting to be touched you know the telltale signs of somebody who is on the spectrum but it's not like bam in your face like oh he's not looking at me the so yeah i feel like they drive it home too much but they don't overact it okay. in my opinion i do have to say that david shore who's one of the main writers on the show he got a lot of applause for doing a lot of research for the show and this name means a lot to me because she wrote my psychology book for my nursing rotation. But Melissa Reiner is a autistic researcher and developer and has many, she has many facilities where she teaches families how to deal with autistic children. And she helped develop Dr. Sean before like the character was even casted. And I actually found that out before I watched the show and that's the main reason why I want one of the other main reasons why I watched the show because I like how they took the time to do the research and it's true like I've worked with many autistic children myself working in the medical field and you don't know like if something's from the spectrum and something's not from the spectrum how their reaction is However, for the podcast and for the season one, I do, I feel like they had to over exaggerate him being on the spectrum. So we knew that they took the time to develop the fact that he was on the spectrum. Because you, I feel like I agree with many of the podcast podcasters that it, it was thrown in your face in season one. Like it was overthrown in your face. But I feel like it had to be overthrown in our face so that we knew that they took the time and the effort and the energy and the research to figure out how he should act. Because, I mean, the show gets a lot of criticism because, I mean, Freddie doesn't have autism. How does he really know how to actually act? And I, I hate to compare it to this, but it's almost, I look at it as, how does a straight character playing gay who gets called racial slurs 
how do they really know how to react to that when they don't deal with that in real life? That's what I compare it to because, I mean, as a gay man, like, I've been called many racial slurs and many derogatory things. That's how, that's how I felt with the show. But I agree with you guys that the autistic aspect was definitely thrown in our face in season one. Although one thing that I think, I we talked about how they kind of differentiate between what's the savant syndrome and what's just him being capable. They also, in those last couple of episodes, touched on the difference between what what is error? Is it caused by him being on the spectrum or otherwise? I don't think actually in this first season there was any specific really bad thing that happened that was because of the way that his autism manifests. And that I think was the biggest important thing for that last episode was like nothing about his condition is what made him make that error during that surgery. That was just like an that error. And, and these yeah, and these are these are these are medical residents. They're just working in a hospital in a full capacity. They're all going to make mistakes here and there. Like that's that's just how any kind of trade works mistakes are getting made it's unfortunate that it's people's lives on the line but i i like that they had it just be something that he accidentally did because it's surgery like accidents happened it was something he accidentally did and then having him and glassman both kind of like let's let's face the music because it's not if if we try to cover this up we are kind of admitting to something about the autism i'm not sure exactly what but if they had tried to hide that from andrews that would have been i think a little cheap and it would have kind of devalued what they had been trying to do by bringing him to the hospital in the first place not to spoil too much for you first time people he doesn't get fired from the hospital in season two because that is we're in season four that'd be a rough ride that'd be i'd be impressed with the writers if they could no we just moved him to a totally different hospital like now he's he stays employed at st bonaventure uh, oh and also to correct earlier marcus andrews and dr morgan resnick morgan is the evil, I, I referred to her as evil Christian Chenoweth when she first came on the show, because there's a lot of that same energy, but just ah. in a very negative way. She's younger, right? Yes. The blonde doctor. She reminds me of a grown-up kitty from Glee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. See that. I agree. See because that. when she came on, I also had to look up to see if it was kitty from Glee at first, because I was like, uh-uh, nope. The voices are a little similar. To I'm not here for this today. <laughs> I mean, Kitty would be a doctor. Like that would be the that would that would happen to us. Just to be annoying. Just to be like, oh, Just so you were a cheerleader and a mean person, and now you're a highly successful doctor. That's great. Thanks. Perfect. I came to this ten year reunion to get back at you, but you're doing even better. That's awesome. Love that. I had to say it. It has I mean, been on my mind for a minute. We already looked back at Glee. So sorry, people. <laughs> but thanks for that. And please find our Glee podcast. Is currently out of the sound feed, but is archived at the website or on YouTube. Anyway, about the good doctor, <laughs> the show that we're talking about. Right, 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 right. 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 I, I buy all of this. I mean, ultimately, th- these are all very good things, and I'm, I'm heartened to know that maybe there is an equilibrium that's coming in the subsequent seasons that might feel a little bit better to me, and I'm looking forward to that. I think ultimately it comes down to Freddie Highmore. I mean, he is brilliant. He's No, he doesn't have autism, and that's a larger discussion about who represents whom as far as being cast in things. And, and that's how far can acting go correct. within acceptable bounds. Exactly. And I don't think there's a magic wand answer for that, and I don't think it's even something that's worth us talking, us worth it for us to talk about here, because 
it's been there, done that, and there are four seasons in, and Freddy is still playing this character. So whether you agree that he should be playing this character or not, that's a, that's a different question, and we can tackle it if you want. But what I wanted to do was really just ask, because again, from a plot perspective, I don't think that season one's arc plot is all that necessarily cohesive, other than some people, the two camps that Jared referred to earlier, but from an inside the show perspective. It was the people who didn't think he could do it because he's autistic, and the people who thought he could do it because he's autistic. And then there is a sort of a third smaller camp that started off in one and became part of the other, and we're on a constant sort of trajectory as the season progressed, namely the Neils, for example, and maybe even the Claire's a little bit. I think she was skeptical at first, although she liked Sean, and then came along for the ride because of her feelings and her empathicness and her idealism and wanting to believe that people can do well. So yeah, her big journey in terms of Sean was, I think, about half an episode long. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, nope, my compassion won. Who would have guessed? So One I guess why I find it so important to stick with it when you watch shows like this is because every show is a little bit different in terms of how long it takes them to build up the characters and stuff. And honestly, I have I've come to love the show more and more because of the way that they've that they've built up the characters. And definitely, without giving out giving anything away, that I I feel like they do a very good job. Kind of it becomes even though Freddy always remains kind of this amazing amazing part of it all, there are definitely a lot of stories along the way that gets very get very good, and you're not just watching. I don't I don't feel like you're just going to continue to watch just because just because of Freddy. I think others will others will come out and other stories will come out, and I think you guys will will be able to love it and, and latch onto it. I think it's a slow burn. I would say because yeah. even just in going into season four. I think Morgan is just now kind of getting a little yes. bit more depth. Although she did have some some her own like big plot things as well. I don't know that anybody who stays on the show gets left behind development wise. I'm yeah. fairly certain that everyone who has stayed on the show since season one has been fleshed out very well. Especially I love Park. We were talking one of the questions in our thing was who are some of your favorite characters and why? I don't know why. But Park, just straight out of the gate, I loved his presence. I love that actor. He played the original Takechi Kovach on Alter Carbon. Carbon. <laughs> season one, season one, I'll just say. Which we um, also cover on the CPU podcast. Plug time! <laughs> we always get one of those every every episode. At least I mean, one. It's, <laughs> it's, it's your podcast. You can throw those in after every sentence if you'd like. That's might, right! <laughs> might be tweet a at, hey, if you to. would like to know what else we cover, tweet at us at CPU Podcast. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've, I loved Park straight out of the gate. I think, I think I like the actor that plays Jared better than how the character was written, at least in the beginning. That's kind of like a sad thing is... As you probably have guessed, his character is on track to not be on the show anymore because mm -hmm. of dramatic things. His The writing for him got better after we were past the turning point. Like, after we yeah. kind of knew he's not going to make it, then then he got they got him to a point where I was like, but no, I want him to stick. I agree. Why did okay. I just watch him on? What have I just been watching? So you haven't seen him on anything else. So when you said you'd seen him before, I was, I was interested. That's a good name. I think yeah. he was on Better Call Saul, because that's like the last drama that I've watched. Or maybe it wasn't Better Call Saul. I, I just watched some... No, it was Westworld. 
He was in Westworld season three. No one cares. Okay, we also cover Westworld on the CPU podcast. Look for that. I really liked season episode. one, but then I fell off, and it's it's really I don't have HBO and I don't want it, so it's it's. <laughs> It's no judgment. Judgment-free zone. So, when it comes to The Good Doctor Season 1, though, because keeping in mind you wanted to cover this season by season, what would you say are the best parts and the worst parts of this first season? Because I don't have a lot of in-depth questions beyond the premise and the critical reaction and... For the viewers at home, Jessica just very (laughs) visibly showed excitement that she wanted to speak. I don't know why. So, my favorite episode, and I just looked up the name of it and I've already forgotten... (laughs) Because, you know, I got so excited that I forgot. Is it burnt? Mm-hmm. Wait, no, is, is it not burnt? No. Is that where they already talk about his brother? No. We're talking about his brother on the they're second pretty, episode, I think. Yeah, they're pretty quick out of the gate with the Steve stuff. But, well, the episode where, like, it goes into depth. Oh, about, that's, the second, that's the second episode. Uh, I think that is the second episode, like, where they talk about, no, I, like, he remembered What? Died? Yeah, where Sean talks about he remembers the smell in the air because that was the day his bunny died. Yeah, that was when they were interviewing him. That's that's only the first part of the story. There is a second episode where it goes very deep into the... Yeah, it's the episode where it goes deep into it. I'm looking for For some it. reason, that was my favorite episode, and I don't know why. And now I feel bad that I can't remember the name. I'm looking for it. Hold on. They established that the brother dies in the first episode. I don't think they told us how until the episode she's talking about. Correct. Which I also don't know which one it is. I thought it was episode two. I don't think no, so. No, I hope I'm not, I'm not jumping into season two, am I? No. It happened in this season. Because it... It's 0.3% episode five. Because the young boy, Evan, is a patient that looks like his brother and it starts to trigger all the memories. Yes. So the the synopsis is, Sean notices a young boy, Evan, who has an uncanny resemblance to deceased brother, Steve, was brought to his hospital by his parents for a possible fracture to his arm. We discover he's actually suffering from terminal bone cancer. And Sean attempts to find another diagnosis to save Evan. And it's all about how Sean believes he can save Evan when he couldn't save Steve. Yes, and I love that episode because they also kept, didn't they keep it from Evan that he had cancer? The parents well, did, yeah. They kept the it from him, did. but he already knew and he, he kept yeah. it from them. And I don't all know. the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is about that episode, but that was the episode that was like, I'm going to stay watching. And I, mean, I think kid, it was because you saw, it was, the child's acting was amazing, first yeah. of all, because he was like, no, I know I'm sick. They don't think I know I'm sick, but I know I'm sick and I know that this is going on. But also to see that turmoil in Sean about, like, I couldn't save my brother, but I'm going to save this little boy. And to see that, like, to see him step away from, I'm Dr. Sean. I'm a doctor at St. My brain just fogged out for a second there. But to see him go from that to, like, reverting back to to a human who's not a doctor who lost a brother and just wanting to save this person because Sean himself is a person. I don't know. There's just something about that episode that like stuck to my heart and I was like, I'm committed. (laughs) I agree with you, actually. That that is probably the turning point for me for the show, because at first I was like, ooh, I don't know. And now it's now it's time for true confessions. We actually had somebody potentially on this panel who ended up dropping off because he didn't keep up with the show. I started to look for a moderator, so I started with him. (laughs) And he said, no, and actually I didn't finish watching, so we left. And then I talked to panelist Eddie, who also is 
has done some moderating for us. And I said, do you want to moderate this? He's like, I don't know if I can. I mean, I'll be on it, but I don't think I want to moderate it. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. I don't know what we're going to do here. And then I watched, I got to that episode and I thought, okay, I think I can do it. And it because it gave not only backstory for Sean, but also more more of a scan into how he comes to know. You know, Dr. Aaron Glassman, we should mention, is played by Richard Schiff, who is most well-known for his role on The West Wing, for those who are big fans of The West Wing. And he brings no less of his gravitas to this role. I, I thoroughly enjoy Aaron Glassman, and the relationship, I think that's probably the the core and heart of the show for me and what makes this good drama and different as a medical drama is that there is this key very heartfelt relationship that very much looks like father-son because you, mm -hmm. you learn that Sean's father particularly was not accepting of his differences as he was growing up and that Steve and Sean ran away from home because there was abuse in the home and you learn all of that and then you also learn that Aaron, Dr. Glassman, kind of finds him and takes him in and mentors him throughout his life and is the one who got him the job at St. Bonaventure. And it's that relationship that I find myself most drawn to throughout all 18 episodes. So to that end, the series, or season finale here is my favorite. We learn that Dr. Glassman is dealing with a life-threatening glioma. And mm -hmm. Sean becomes thoroughly obsessed with, which is why he makes the mistake in the operating room, thoroughly obsessed with trying to solve and to cure and to find the cure for Dr. Glassman because of this. There's this whole exchange where they actually say I love you to each other, which is part of this whole other previous conversation. And it was very <laughs> heartfelt and this episode, even though it's the last of the season, is the one making me say, okay, I gotta watch more now, I guess. Sure. <laughs> We've been talking about what's the what's the season arc, because they kind of did have to leave it at, like, welcome to the drama, will he stay at the hospital, will he go? None of that will culminate at all until this final episode, because we have to take the journey of improving whether or not he's competent. There, There is that other arc, I think, between just Sean and... Aaron's relationship because it's somewhat paternal but it's been long distance for yeah. years and years and years so it's even not really the same so we see not only Glassman first going up to bat for Sean but then kind of realizing his own ineptitude when it comes to can I be the support system for this person I don't think I can I don't think I can I gotta get him I have to shove somebody else or shove him on to somebody else. And that's when I kind of lost some distance with Glassman's character. His, like, he, I, I sided with Sean in that. He seemed desperate, almost, to get someone else to be the support system. And I can understand not wanting to be somebody's only person, but if he had just looked objectively at Sean's life, even at the hospital, he would have realized he's already building his own net of people who can be there for him. But... But there's then, also that mirror because of Aaron and his daughter, right? Isn't it his daughter? Yes. She yeah. mm -hmm. passed away, I think, when she was like 15 mm -hmm. or some, mm -hmm. something very, very young. So maybe he was feeling... Maybe Sean is his Steve in that he thinks, right. I failed to save someone before. Correct. I will probably fail again. I will say the acting that he, that actor, I forgot the name he said, that he laid down during those last two episodes was 
exceptional. I don't really follow the Emmys, but I hope he was at least considered in some of the conversations behind nominations for that year. Joe was actually nominated for five after the first season. But not Richard. Oh, well, that's... Most, no, he wasn't. Mostly but the Freddy. show was nominated for five. Mm -hmm. he, yeah, I think he did really great. And by the end of the season, you do have it coming to a point where they're both kind of accepting that we can just be there for each other. It doesn't have to be this kind of all or nothing type deal. We can find the balance. And that's that's really what the show is about. It's about Sean finding the balance in just life in general. Well, I guess I summed it up, so we only need to do the other seasons. <laughs> I like well, if you have no other least favorites or most favorites, I can at least ask you some of the first look questions if you're ready I for that. I don't like Jessica. The only thing, the only thing you, I want to point out... You mean Jessica on the show. I know, I was like, wait a second, what? Because no, this is still cool. controversial on the show. and scary. She, she's fine. She's, there's, there's not really a reason. She just doesn't do anything for me in the dynamic besides no. give background. It took me thing. all 18 episodes to realize that she was Aaron's granddaughter. Because you get one scene at the track. I That's know. It. I was like, who the hell is she and why do we care about her? And I don't wait, care. Who, wait, who did you just say that you think she was? Richard. Wasn't she Richard's granddaughter? Aaron's granddaughter. No, she's oh. just, she went to school with his daughter. She's just yeah. a friend. Yeah, she's a friend. Well, see, I did not get that either. They're just, it was all like, why So 19 that... episodes including yeah. the podcast. <laughs> so why does anybody <laughs> care about her? Also, she has no chemistry with the hottie that plays yeah. Neil. And so I'm are just, gonna, whatever. Are we just going to call him Dr. McHotty? Dr. McHotty, yes. So He'll why, I don't care McHottie. that they're getting a divorce. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. <laughs> Once again, not to this isn't big, big spoilers because it's not about anything dramatic. The as I said, there will be roster shifts. They're going to lose most of the kind of extraneous grown-up people. I believe Aoki leaves fairly soon. Jessica leaves fairly soon, and it which just kind is of gets kind of sad down. because Tamlin Tomita plays Aoki. I and, like her. Well, and I also, like she's been in a variety of films. Her first film was The Karate Kid Part 2. She played Danielson's girlfriend in Okinawa. Nice. Oh, awesome. Good pull, Danielson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, for the show, they just... Previewing I, our Cobra Kai episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I liked what they did for, like, we're going to have this rounded out ensemble. It's not just going to be about the residents there's going to be bigger things that play i just don't think they found a way to do it very well new amsterdam i think new oh, just the sheer number of main characters that new amsterdam has and maintains <laughs> maybe we got, if we do a podcast i'll talk more about that they it's it's question. it's very very balanced surprisingly so with this show there were just those characters that fell by the wayside being primarily Jessica and Aoki, they both. P.S. If you want us to cover New Amsterdam on CPU, Mike has already requested it, but he's the only one so far, so help him out. <laughs> I do want to add that before we get into the first look questions, that at least I appreciate the fact that this, not only does this show cover an underrepresented person who has a disability that normally wouldn't be in this profession, but it's also just a really honestly come by diverse cast of different diverse people. Diverse as heck, boy! Yeah, I mean, there's just... And you... It's so... I will give this show A-plus points because it's so natural, and I wish people would just do this, generally speaking. And make it happen. There are, what, three main characters that are white? Yep. 
out of like eight, yep. eight to twelve. Yeah, it's it's, and it, it yeah, it doesn't feel at all like they shoehorned it in. It nope. just it just it's natural. It's natural. Me just, it just being me just wishes there was more plus size representation. I don't know if that comes up in later seasons, but you know, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> fair, yeah, fair. <laughs> Look, I there's only I... so much progress that can be made. <laughs> yeah, you know what, though? Not to touch back on another show, it's getting it in This Is Us, so I guess I can't complain. I was just going to say, you need to watch This Is Us. I can't. And then listen to our I'll podcast episodes on Eddie which Eddie and Jared appear. <laughs> I will message later why I can't watch it, because it's a sad sob story, and that's not what we're talking about right now. So I will message later about why I can't watch This Is Us. Because <laughs> United's all laughs all the time. I, I hate to circle back on the episode that we love. I'm so sorry. But I have to say what made me fall in love with the concept of The Good Doctor was episode one. When he was in the airport and just how, like, they they showed the visual concept of how he wanted to do everything that he did is what made me fall in love. with. And, and I mean, we've talked about it, the visual concept of like in his mind how he thinks is something that we haven't seen and i fell in love with that i can't say that i'm in love with the show and i mean i've, I've said it a couple times like the show is i feel like is repeating itself i'm only on season two but so anyway i'm only repeating season two i'm actually caught up but i'm repeating for the record <laughs> so anyway i i really like i fell in love with the con the concept of where we were going to take this character who was on the spectrum and where we were going to start them with episode one, which speaks volumes because normally I don't get where a show is going until about the third or fourth episode. But I mean, I'm not in love with the show itself, but the concept that they have is what keeps me watching. And I know that's a question you're going to ask Kylie and I'm so sorry. <laughs> Not exactly, but thanks for segueing me into the first luck questions. This show was developed by David Shore, as we've mentioned, who also created House, as we've mentioned, Battle Creek, which we actually have covered on this podcast. It was a one and done. And let's see. And Sneaky Pete, which was on Amazon Prime and was canceled after three seasons and starred Giovanni Ribisi. Does watching The Good Doctor make you want to watch any of his other shows, past, present, or future? Why or why not? I've actually watched them all. I've watched them all. I watched Battle Creek, but that was more because of the fact that it was set in Battle Creek, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually I the watched... only reason I watch that show. Uh -huh. so. uh -huh. I watched House. Yeah, I've seen House here and there. I, I enjoy think that, House. That show had its own ensemble problems. Yeah. I think that the two, the, I don't remember their names because just so blah, so very blah. The one dude who's like a low rent Bill Pullman and then the woman who is the antagonistic force to House and kind of the only thing that keeps him in check. Both of them I feel like could have gone the way of Jessica and Aoki. I didn't. Just House and his residence was all that needed I needed for that show and worked for me for that show. So I, I didn't. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's learned. After I watched Nurse Jackie, I watched Nurse Jackie, and somebody was like, "Oh, if you like her drug addiction, you should see this doctor with his drug." I'm like, "Oh, okay." So yeah, I still like Nurse Jackie better. Just 
case we're all wondering. Okay. You're talking about the writer. Would we like to watch another show from the same writer? Not Creator and head writer, yes. Believe it or not, the strange thing is is that I've, I've tried to sit down and watch House all the way through, and I've watched many Houses, the episodes, not all of them, but I watched many, and I liked every one, but for some reason I didn't, for one reason or another, and I still don't know why, I didn't get hooked. Maybe it's just because I didn't consistently keep watching. I think if I, I'm like one of those people that if I don't, if I don't intentionally keep watching, then I just get distracted with other things and I don't come back to it unless something really pulls me in. I know House was very good. I, didn't, I haven't watched any of his other shows, I don't think. I'm always interested in, in, in trying something else. But I also have learned that even though a writer is so great in one show, they're not necessarily great in another. So far, I've experienced that with Grey's Anatomy in terms of they've got this new Rebel show. And while I don't, I've not watched enough of it to be fair, probably, but so far, when I saw that, I was like, how in the world do the Grey's Anatomy writers do this rebel thing? And I'm expecting it to be as good as Grey's. I, I don't know. I'm a little confused, but... Shonda is a hardworking writer-producer. She makes a lot of different shows in a lot of different places. <laughs> so And then hires teams. So she usually comes up with the concept and then leaves a team behind. So okay, that makes sense. Conceptually, her shows are... They're of a variety of quality. I think that... Her big one right now is Bridgerton. If you're watching that kind of stuff, she created Bridgerton on Netflix. I love that. Yeah, I'm so... Not gonna, I'm not familiar enough with Shondaland to be able to pass judgment one way or another, but I do think she traffics in the same brand of sensationalism that is done throughout all of these shows, because every show she does... All the exact same people that I know. Oh, the Shondaland roller coaster, and that's what yeah. her production Preach is. It. Every <laughs> single one. I'm not saying those aren't enjoyable. I personally haven't gotten into any of those shows besides when I used to watch Grey's Anatomy, but for me, I think that is a bit of a turnoff the fact that all of my same friends all watch these shows. Like, it's, I feel like, so it's just, you're, I feel like whatever you're doing, you're just moving it this this thing, the Shonda element. You're just moving that from premise to premise. I don't necessarily think that's something that's going to grab me. I've watched almost every Shonda. Well, there you go. Yeah. See, you love those, but you also love Once Upon a Time, and you're, you enjoy The Good Doctor, at least at this point. <laughs> so that's how I know those are like good, genuine connections. It's not just you and me kind of being both on the same wavelength. We can tell yeah. that... This, these these shows are pulling us from different different TV pools, and I think that's what kind of gives them a little bit more snap. But I just was thinking one of the other strengths of the show is that it doesn't, unlike Monk, lean so heavily on its main character mm -hmm. that has the that has the interesting thing about him. We we have two surgical teams, whether the other team is being led by Andrews or some other random doctor that's on for one episode, or by Dr. Lim, who I also really, really I liked her straight out of the gate. I don't know, she just she just had panache. She stays on the show for a good amount of time. There's it's not like Sean only has the one case per episode. There's always another case. Their characters are dealing with that. So it's not the world doesn't revolve around Sean. The episode may start with him and end with him, but there's, I think, plenty of meat in each episode for other characters to where it's not like... It's not a LeBron James situation where if he goes down, we're nothing, we got nothing else. Like, he, he's all we got. I think it's I think it's a decently rounded show yeah. in terms of load-bearing. So, to, just to close the book on the Shonda show, soapy, sexy, fine. If you like that, I'm all for it. I just don't need it all in the medical setting anymore. Done. 
As far as David Shore, I think he's earned me, he's earned some cred for me to keep continuing to explore his stuff. I never watched House consistently either. I like Hugh Laurie though, and I like a lot of the people in the cast. I probably will at some point if somebody's really emphatic about wanting to talk about it, but I, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't pick up a David Shore show just because he seems to, to think through his ensembles very, very well, and I enjoy that. I enjoy that piece that he's able to bring to the table is he, he gets good dialogue and good dynamics and the people that they cast. So how would you say the good doctor compares to other TV shows? I don't know why that says romantic family dramas. It should say medical dramas. <laughs> I was concerned about that as well. <laughs> I might copy and paste the boilerplate and forget to change himself. How does, <laughs> I mean, we, we, we did compare this already to like some things like Grey's and ER and but, you know, if, if there's any other comparisons you want to throw out for The Good Doctor. As I said, the only other medical drama that I watch at the moment is New Amsterdam, and they both kind of started up in similar timelines. I think New Amsterdam is maybe a year or two behind. But I don't know exactly how to explain the difference between them. I think that The Good Doctor is very focused and feels a little bit... It's hard to say because they're both... The stakes... I mean, it's the medical drama show stakes. The stakes are always pretty high. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, I think it's more that the good doctor feels very focused and very like on this these core issues. These are specific problems where New Amsterdam feels it feels a lot more open. It's like the difference between being in a study room or like a study hall. It's just I don't know that there's there's not as much of a ceiling on New Amsterdam, and I kind of like the freedom that that gives them. But yeah, I don't think that was a very helpful answer. And you're sticking to it. <laughs> I have to say that the newest medical drama, I guess, I've, I've watched, and I only watched because I thought it was going to be a tragic, like, disaster, is Nurses, which is on NBC. And it started the same exact way this show did. Like, it was very dramatic. What's his thing? What's the thing of the person that makes everybody go, I don't know about this person? I guess their biggest premise is, is that, like, which... As a nurse, I understand, like, the whole first, like, half of the season is the nurses are literally saying we don't get the credit that we deserve because the doctors get everything. So, like, pretty much they're stabbing at every other show that there's, like, nurses on every other show, but they don't get any credit. So, like... Fair, but I feel like, how have we not mentioned Scrubs <clears throat> at all this whole episode? A travesty. Because that actually, very, very comedic show, but the medical drama on that show, quality quality stuff i'll defend scrubs till the end of the I world scrubs, actually. <laughs> and yeah and they had i think they had very good nurse presence on that show better than most medical dramas better I than most better than most but like i mean in real life like that's the premise that the show came out on and now it's starting to branch out to like oh i like you i'm in love with you and now nurses are falling in love with nurses and all that and jazz but i mean i guess like every i would have to say for being a medical person, I've watched a lot of medical shows, which I don't know why, but I guess. My biggest thing is I like to debunk them. I like to look at things and be like, yep, that's not going to happen in real life, but good job, good job. <laughs> that's actually not really a oxygen cannula. That, yep, Were there any big glaring that's just flat out wrongs from season one of The Good Doctor? I, I can say yes, because it happens in almost everyone. It's how they use their IV pump, because like they don't have... It's really hard to make most medical dramas use like fake arms so it looks like they have like the IV in but like most of them have like 
a piece of tape on their arm and like looking like something's sticking out and then the IV pumps on the other side of the room where I'm like, mm, okay. How's it get over know. there? Yeah. Also like shows, I mean, the good doctor do- doesn't, but Grey's Anatomy has done it really bad with this in the past is traits when people are on vents because I mean if you don't have a hole in like it's really hard to like pretend but so that's the biggest thing that's the reason why I watch medical shows but yeah so I have to say medical shows just start the same exact ways it's just being dramatic I guess that's all I got I'm sorry I kind of circled there I don't feel qualified to answer this question because this is not I'm watching this show and this genre right now because of this fine panel oh well thank you Thank you. We love you. You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I only watch medical dramas to debunk them. Oh, that's a nice one. To, so I'm before I ask the million dollar question, is there anything else that you want to mention that you haven't mentioned before I ask that that million dollar question that, you know, because we, we have a responsibility to our listeners and to the TV watching public at large as far as our opinion. But <laughs> got to be consistent. <laughs> What? I said we got to be consistent. That's we right. To, we do. We have to be That's consistent. why we have the million dollar question. That's we have right. traditions here on Couch Potatoes Unite. We do. We don't have a million dollars, though, so I don't no. want to hit on the million dollars <laughs> question. Is there anything else that you want to say that we haven't already said about the first season of The Good Doctor? Yes. I'm a little bit surprised that we haven't brought in what, what is now one of my favorite characters, obviously. It's a lot more into the second season, probably more screen time, but Leah, Leah, I think her name is Pete. Yeah. Honestly, here's the scenario with her. You know that at some point they're going to try to bring in some sort of a potential love interest or whatever. Leah, I found from the beginning, was a very, very interesting character. I personally, I've met people similar to to Leah, and I just, just this kind of, just her personality was one that I, I particularly liked. Point of clarification. Unless I'm very much mistaken, I have not met Aaliyah yet. She was the neighbor, the first neighbor, not the first neighbor. Okay, thank you. The one that he sort of kind of dates in a way? Kind of. Okay, continue. Oh, well, you know what? I think maybe this speaks a little bit to how little they really developed anything around her in this season. So, sorry about that. That's okay. Thanks for the reminder. (laughs) Those were a good couple of episodes. episodes. I I just wanted to say... I just wanted to say that, you know, from the beginning, because I always, I catch on to these things, and I like to be able to kind of kind of imagine where they're going with, with a character, and I'll be completely honest with you, I, with Leah at this point, obviously with season, the first season, you know very little, but even what you did learn, I think there was an episode where they, they went away with a car and a, an adventure, I, I, I really loved that, and but it was very hard for me in the beginning to, fi- beginning to figure out what are they going to do with her? Like, how would they, if there was potentially an interest there, how would this work? It just seems like it could work, but like, I was very interested. What are they going to do with this person? Is this just going to be a good friend? Is it going to be a love interest? What's going to happen? So that's something for you to keep watching for. But I just wanted to mention her because I guess maybe it's rubbing off that I love her now. And there's more to, to learn from her in the future. Because I was going to say, I forgot completely about her. And I felt it's like it's because they they hurried her off to her wherever she went back to and didn't really mention her again for the rest of the season. It <laughs> was heartbreaking to me because I, <sighs> I could see I stuff in the beginning. And so 
it was more dramatic for me than obviously you, but... And I forgot that her name was Leah. (laughs) There was one one little throw in, I think like a few episodes after she left, where he like saw an Instagram post from her that said, it was like a picture of pine trees and said, smelling pine trees, thinking of you as a vague post. But he was like, I know that's for, it's for me. I'm Mr. Pine Tree, which I thought was nice. Uh, All I'll say, speaking from the future, for those of you who are going kind of like along as the podcast goes, Sean's love life, I think, is done in a very, very deliberate and measured way. Regardless of who the participants are, I think it's something that's done and handled very well. I don't think it's necessary. I mean, obviously, his autism does come into play at, at certain times, but I think it's also just handled as this guy's in his mid to late 20s, hasn't had relationships before, like this time in his life where things are happening. That comes with its own set of pitfalls, regardless of who you are. That's always going to be something that, you know, instills drama. So I think, I think once again, the balance between do we attribute this trait to his autism or is this just him because he's a guy? He's just a person living life, stays pretty good. And on that note, the thing I wanted to say is that regardless of where we land as a, as a viewing community at large about Freddie Highmore playing this autistic character, I find value in the show regardless in just ways that he'll do something or he'll be interested in something or he'll want to get something and I'll ask myself, is that, are they trying to be like, hey, autistic people like this stuff too? And then I'm like, jumping back from that, I'm like, why am I thinking about that as if I know? Why am I assuming one way or another that a person with autism would or wouldn't want either of these things? I mean, they even have an episode where there is another, one of the patients is on the spectrum and the mom kind of does this like shutdown thing of like, I understand that he has different faculties, but at the end of the day, they're both autistic and that's, that's just a non-starter. Like there's something we can't get past. That obviously is not the case, so that's something that I'm kind of, like, growing with as I watch the show as well, of, like, every person with autism is an individual as much as anybody else. There are no sweeping, one-size-fits-all rules, and I kind of need to... I need to let go of kind of those those generalizations and assumptions, and I think the show helps with that little bit by little bit. This teaches that everybody is their individual person, no matter what you are, who you are, or how you're living life. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> the more you know. Are we going to start singing now? <laughs> we already did, Jared. Hopefully the good doctor never makes the mistake that Grey's Anatomy did. No, musical I've only episode. Seen one episode passed where I dropped off. And it was the musical episode. And it's one of the worst things I've ever seen on television ever. <laughs> Eddie, if you got other opinions, let's let's keep our friendship with right. that. I was just going to say, my favorite musical medical drama episode was actually on Scrubs. I was oh. going to say, the Scrubs, Scrubs one is really is good. So good. This is for both the Grays panel, which is upcoming, and the Scrubs panel, which we're still working on. Both just... And maybe someday we'll do best musical episodes of the TV and worst. But for right now, I'm going to ask... I'd love ask... to be on that. <laughs> That'd be that'd be so fun. For right now, I'm going to ask a year two for previewed million dollar question. Would you recommend the good doctor to others? Why or why not? No. Okay, but why not? Only because if you're watching the good doctor for a medical drama, I feel like you're gonna be let down. Because it's I don't I don't look at the good doctor as a medical drama. I look at it as a show 
I feel like it's it's more of a drama. It's not a medical drama. But if you're looking at it as something that's different and how they tackle something that is kind of taboo to tackle in TV land, I guess if that's what we want to call it, it's something different. I, I guess th- this would be good for someone to watch. It's something different. It's something that we haven't haven't seen be tackled this way. And then I guess it would be good. But as a person who likes medical dramas, apparently, because I've seen so many of them, I would not recommend The Good Doctor. It's not It's not on my top of the list. I would recommend it just for something new. I mean, give it a shot, and if it's not your cup of tea, it's not your cup of tea. But that that's my two cents on it. It's something um, different. I would recommend it, too. It doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to fit any other bill other than it's super entertaining and there's no major issues with it that could ruin your life. But there's lots of great stuff in it that could lighten up your life. I, in talking about doing this podcast later today, recommended this show to my coworkers this morning, so I'm pretty convinced that that decision's been made. For the why, I think the biggest thing, and this was not something that we had with Once Upon a Time at all, was that I think this show is still very accessible. I think it's something that is easy to pick up and isn't necess- I don't think it's so detail oriented like some like Game of Thrones or House of Cards to where if you have your phone out you will miss the detail and everything will fall like I, this is a show that I think finds a good balance of being a 40 minute drama but not demanding every ounce of brain power that you have to watch it it's also only completed four seasons I'm not saying the Grays isn't something people should watch, but I'm saying when you look at it, you can't just see it for, let me start the season one. You know that it is a monster that has grown larger. It's it's the Godzilla of TV shows. I don't know any other show that's been, that started during my lifetime that is still going, that has done. They surpassed Supernatural, what no one thought could be done. They outlasted <laughs> the boys. Like, Grey's Anatomy is, it's, it's, it's. Honestly, it's its own empire. It could probably eat and swallow all the other Shondaland things and still survive. It's 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 like a mountain to climb. I, I'm not disparaging it. I just, for me, when I think about... Because Netflix will pop up the little thing like, Hey, you want to Grey's Anatomy? I'm like, that, based on the way that I have watched only Stargate SG-1 for the past five weeks, despite wanting to watch many other things because I'm stuck in there, if I started Grey's Anatomy, you would never see me again. I would... <laughs> Just, I would get, you'd see me on the show, get absorbed into, I'd get Wonka visioned into the Shondaland, and that would be the end of Micah, so. Uh, Simpsons is the only other show that's currently on that's been on longer than. I think Simpsons is older than me. Simpsons is older than me. I would, I would, I would take, I would say to guess that it's at least two to three years older than you. Simpsons is, has been on 32 years. (laughs) I'm a year older than the Simpsons. (laughs) And. Well, see, then you were in the sweet spot because you were a 10 year old kid right when Bart Simpson became a thing. That had to be just like the greatest time to be alive. <laughs> who is this Who is this little dude upsetting every adult I know? Gotta get in on that. I was busy watching the turtles. <laughs> <laughs> so, hashtag Micah's Rants. We had one, I feel like this episode pretty much rounded out in completeness. An answer to the question beforehand, though, would I recommend it? I will give a qualified, very narrowly defined yes. You'd have to be a fan of Freddie Highmore, or you'd have to be a fan of, I'm not going to say medical dramas. You have to be a fan of medical drama. You don't have to be a fan of medical dramas generally, 
you probably should be a fan of something like House, though, because I think the show does have David Shore's stamp on it, even though it doesn't have a sarcastic, drug-addicted doctor at the helm. It does kind of have sort of the bone structure of House and how the different characters relate to each other, some of the snappy dialogue, some of the internal antagonisms. I think that stuff is similar and probably the, the most translatable experience would be a house fan to this show. Not necessarily a Grey's, private practice, ER, etc., etc. Though thank you, Micah, for your nod to Supernatural. I know <laughs> how you feel. Don't care. Supernatural for life! SPN family. P.S. <laughs> Nope, still got two two episodes left. Can't bring myself to do it. Uh, Not ready for it to end. Jensen Ackles, if you're randomly listening to this episode, tweet <laughs> us a podcast because I love you. Okay. I have a story for when we're done. Oh, fair enough. Supernatural. Oh, okay. Is there anything else you wish to say that we haven't said about the first season of Good Doctor? I have said my piece. Has everybody you want access to Jessica's after podcast rant? Feel free to hop on that Patreon and give us your money. Give us your money. If you want your money? Give it to us. Give us that money. Podcast afterthoughts. That's a lot, but we'll work on that idea. Potatoes and... after hours. No. Potatoes after dark. Okay. <laughs> potatoes deep fried. <laughs> this is getting weird because of what show we're talking about. So since we're getting weird, what I'd like to do is thank Jessica, Micah, Jared, and Eddie for joining me to talk about the first season of Good Doctor. Now don't you worry, this is a catching up series. We have three more seasons to talk about. So if you're a fan of this show, or even if you're not, keep on with us. But for right now, it's time for those credits. Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation Point was produced by Back Pocket Productions run by yours truly, the Chief Couch Potato, which is really another way of saying executively produced by me, Kylie Piette. My associate producers are Krista Pennington and Celine Resmer. I edit this podcast and our logo is by Rebecca Wallace. Our marketing graphic artist is Krista. Our theme song was written by Sarah Milbratz and sung by Sarah, Amy McDaniel, and Kels Resmer. Kaus played the keyboard, Ian McDonough played the bass, Christian Somerville played the guitar, and the whole shebang was engineered by Kyle Aspinall and Christian. We hail from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Please, if you like what you hear, take the time to rate us, give us stars, provide comments, or review us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Amazon are just a few of the places you can find us, but we're also on YouTube. We have our website. Otherwise, feel free to tell us how we're doing, what we should add, subtract, keep, or toss. You know how it goes. And if you have suggestions for shows we might consider, contact us at our website where we have a guest book by email at couchpotatoesunitepodcast at gmail.com, our Facebook, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at couchpotatoesunite, or wherever you get your podcasts. Though, of course, we add new and old shows to chat about around the water cooler all the time and always have new episodes coming down the pipe. Just listen to our intros. If you miss old episodes or want to know in general what shows we cover, just search for us. Find us wherever you do searchable things on the internet. Don't forget that exclamation point, or contact us via our website, our email, our social media accounts, and stay up on all the new events and episodes by our humble little podcast, Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point!
Until the next time, The Good Doctor is entirely available to stream on Hulu and apparently on YouTube TV for those who can't get Hulu, all my friends in Canada. In the meantime, our Good Doctor panel will next reconvene very shortly, in fact, to talk Season 2 and Episode 2 of our four-part catch-up series. So until next time, until next episode, new episodes are published every Wednesday. Keep listening. Keep watching. Stay tuned. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.